It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. Thank you for joining and welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, bringing you another episode all about your Colorado Avalanche. And the way that this is going to work, uh, because of our crossover episode yesterday with John from Locked On Rangers, uh, I'm going to cover kind of summarize the game Monday uh, that the Avalanche lost one nothing to the Islanders. Tomorrow's episode will summarize the game uh, on Tuesday against the Rangers. So kind of breaking things up a little bit because we had that crossover episode, which I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, so yeah, today's going to be about the Islanders as well as um, we'll do some power rankings. We, haven't, we didn't do power rankings because the holiday things got a little wacky with the schedule, so we haven't done power rank- rankings in a little while. Um, and I figured I would finish those off with giving you my power rankings, as if it matters, as if power rankings matter at all. But they're fun. We like to argue about them. So I figured I would throw my own power, ranking, power rankings in at the end of all of that. Uh, and no, I'm not just going to throw Colorado at number one all the time. Like I got mad at that other website for doing uh, a couple weeks ago. But uh, first things first, social media. Follow the show on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram. Search for Lockdown Avalanche. And please send in those emails at LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. We're about halfway through the season. So what's some things that you guys like? What's some things that you don't like? What are things that need to be worked on? What's things the Avalanche are doing well? Is there trades that they have to maybe look into come trade deadline? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, anything that's on your mind, send it over to the Gmail. All right. Uh, it's a couple days old, but Nathan McKinnon was named the first star of the week for last week, um, which is why I don't do the uh, – when I do my three stars of the previous week, I don't include him. For that reason, it's just too easy to give it to him every single week. No surprise there. Um, the voting for Kale McCarr is still going on, and that will end on Saturday. So make sure we're all going online and voting Kale McCarr in, as ridiculous as that is. It's just something we have to do as fans. What are we going to do? All right. And going back to Monday night, the game against the New York Islanders, first time that these two teams have played each other, just one of those frustrating games uh avalanche get shut out one to nothing and not only do they get shut out they get shut out against Semyon varlamov who uh i think it's, it was his second shutout of the season and it's been well documented what what he did while he was on the avalanche he was a good player while he was on the abs overall uh his last couple seasons struggled no surprise there um, I was kind of happy when I heard that he would be the starting goalie. It's always fun to kind of go up against a former player of your team 
and try to stick it to him because he's going to try to stick it to you, which he did. You have to give credit where it's due. You can't get mad because he threw a shutout, pitched a shutout. Uh, he he did what players who kind of uh, are let go by a team have showed no interest in resigning him. He signed on with the Islanders, and he's been good. He's been good all year, uh, and sometimes that's what a player needs. We are seeing it on our roster with Burakovsky, uh, with Nachuskin. You could even say with Donskoy, uh, maybe even Kadri. Kadri is kind of, you know, the behavioral issues of Kadri have really kind of toned down. So we've seen it our, on our end when we take in players that are not having, maybe at the end of their career in a certain city, they just worn out their welcome. So it's it's the same for him. So yeah, we can be mad because like, oh, why didn't you do that towards the end of your career, you know, in Colorado? It's just it's just not the way that it works. So golf clap, good job, Varlamov. Uh, you shut out your old team, and I'm sure he slept very well that night. As far as the game itself, um, we'll go over the stats, but it's pretty scary how evenly matched this game was. Pretty much right down the line. The only thing that was a little bit out of whack was faceoffs, faceoffs one, uh, which was in favor of the Avalanche. Other than that, this game was like split down the middle. Uh, and it, so it's kind of not surprising it was a one nothing game. Um, everybody wants to talk about, what else, a referee issue? Um, and I, I, here's here's my thing with it. The, 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 it's like an NFL. The rule is you have to have, you know, conclusive evidence uh, to overturn any call. Uh, at first, you didn't really know what they were. Uh, challenging. At first, you thought they were maybe calling like goalie interference, but the replay was showing that's clearly wasn't the case. So the only other thing they really could be challenging was offsides. And then uh, on, on the feed that I was watching, um, the the video angles that they showed, you really had no angle of overturning it, um, and you can't assume on that play. You can't you can't assume like you just like you can't assume a goal. Um, if you don't have a definitive camera angle, you can't assume offsides. And, and the, the two angles that they kept showing on the, the, the broadcast that I was watching was almost at center ice. So when that camera angle is turned, you don't have the depth of field to know when that puck is crossing the blue line compared to when Rantanen is crossing the blue line himself and the blue line camera um, in its own right. And the puck was launched so high up in the air it blended in with the crowd, which, you know, the lights are down on the crowd. Uh, you can't see where that puck is. Unless Toronto has something that we don't see um, on the broadcast that we're watching, it, it's very difficult to overturn. Now, I will say, after, at the end of that period, during a commercial break, they showed a kind of like a, a, a brightened version of the blue line camera and it it is very very close i would say it's more offsides than not um it's very very bang bang um but i don't think toronto gets that view like that camera angle was later edited to be brightened i don't know if toronto has that capability 
Um, if they do, then more power to them. And maybe they got the call right. I don't know. The 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 angle that I saw, it's they didn't show the, the from the um, broadcast I was seeing. They didn't show it for long enough where I could see it frame by frame. So it's something that I'm going to have to go watch, pull the YouTube clip or something like that and see it. But more than that, this is where we are in sports. We are micromanaging absolutely everything. And this is what happened with the Gabriel Landeskog thing in the playoffs. He's clearly not in the play and he is, is, a fraction of a millimeter offsides and that turned a game on its head. Is that really what we want in sports to be micromanaged? Whether it's, it's football um, and a guy is lined up offsides and just the tip of his helmet is over the ball. Does that really in the grand scheme of that play make a difference you cannot argue to me that it can a, a, a eighth of an inch is not the difference between a quarterback getting sacked and him throwing a 75 yard touchdown it's not going to make a difference to me one way or another so in terms of this play okay let's say Miko Rantanen was offsides and if he was offsides it's by a fraction of whatever system you're using to measure would it may have made a difference? No, it wouldn't have. So it's one of those things where, you know, is it, is it common sense that needs to come into play? Or are we just going to micromanage our way through sports? And I think just to appease everybody because it's, okay, if he was offsides by the slightest of margins, how wide do you make that margin? And that's the argument. If you're going to allow just the slightest of margin, where does that margin end? You have to come up with something. You can't have to say, well, he needs to be six inches off sides and we'll allow it. Then that's there's no point for a blue line. So I get both sides of the coin, but in the end, according to the brightened image that I saw, they probably got it right. My issue is I just want to know if Toronto had that image when they made the call. What did they make the call to reverse the play? Because Zadorov made the goal, that would have put the Avalanche up one nothing. So, I, do we get that information? I want to know. I want to know what Toronto saw to overturn it. Was it assuming, or did they have a brightened image where they could clearly see the puck? Because we didn't see that image, or I didn't see that image till later, and it was done by that broadcast team's editing crew, which I don't know again if Toronto has that. But once again. That's where we are in sports. Um, and then it, it turned, you know, game game was evenly played. That game, that goal got taken off. Islander score. I think there was about 13 minutes left in the game. So there was plenty of time for Colorado to come back. They had plenty of opportunities. Semyon Varlamov was doing his thing. And uh, you have to kind of give the credit to him. I don't know what was going on with Kale McCarr. He just seemed like he did not enjoy the ice um, that the Islanders play on. The puck was skipping on him. He he just it was coming off his blade almost all night long. He wasn't making crisp passes, and you could tell it was starting to get to him. He was uncomfortable uh, being that force and driving the puck up ice and being the 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 focal point of uh, the the offense. For whatever reason, he just 
it was an off game for him. And, you know, everybody on every roster is going to have that. This was his game. So the good thing about for him and for the whole team, uh, you know, they turned around and played the Rangers on the very next day, uh, which we will get into tomorrow, like I said. But um, Avs had their chances. Uh, they had a a penalty. We put them on the power play. There was around eight minutes in between seven, seven and eight minutes left. And the way the power play has gone for them and the way that this game was going, you just didn't. You weren't. You didn't get excited. I didn't anyway. You know, you do, you do in some ways. Like, all right, we got a power play. We got a chance. But just the way the power play has been, the way that the, this game was going, you just didn't feel like they were going to come through. You kind of felt like if they were going to even this thing up, it was just going to have to be on a hard nosed goal, um, and and you know force one or a power move that's going to have to get by Varlamov somehow, some way. I just didn't feel like. That power play was going to produce anything, and it really didn't. They they kind of looked ugly in the power play. Um, yeah, so it is what it is as far as stats go. Um, let's bring them up here. <coughs> uh, faceoffs, like I said, that was the only thing that was really out of whack. Colorado won the faceoff battle thirty-two to twenty-one, and then everything else was pretty even. Nobody had any goals on power plays. The one goal Islanders had was was even strength, and even the goal they had was. It was a good goal, but um, I'm pretty sure um, an Avs defender was either Ian Cole or Matt Calvert. I think it was Ian Cole. Seemed like he was blocking Francois, was in his way, and which is why um, Anders Lee got the goal. But hey, that that's hockey. That's going to happen too. So uh, 0 for 2 for the Avalanche on the power play. 0 for 1 for the Islanders. Uh, I don't normally bring up hits, but I'm just trying to show you how evenly this game was played. 19 hits on each side. Shots on goal, 32 for Colorado, 33 for the Islanders. So just kind of right down the middle, everything was was even. And, yeah, it's frustrating. You can get angry about it. Um, I mean, even if the Avs were awarded that goal and the Islanders tied it up, there's no guarantee they would have got the second point. You just have to lick your wounds in this one and take the loss. As, as much as you don't want to take losses, you just have to do it. There's there's no other way around it. You're going to have these games. You're the highest-scoring team in the league. You're going up against your former goalie. You want to play better than that. And when I say play better than that, they played well. They just didn't come out with the lo- they were, come out with the win. They came out with the loss. And you move on. It's, it's just one game and, and a series of games. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass., I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy-feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy-feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy-feeling wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now. But the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstad. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so just to kind of put a bow on this game against the Islanders, even you know Jared Bednar in his uh, post-game press conference was obviously asked about the offsides, and he said very succinctly and quickly he thinks they got it right. Uh, after, like I said, seeing the, the uh, image brightness enhanced, I think they did too. That's not my issue. My issue is how did Toronto come up with that? decision we may never know and right now it doesn't matter uh we got the loss um so like i said in you know a series of shows leading up to this one uh, that i normally start the show with you know get out there vote for kill mccarr uh he's on the ballot for last man in uh he sat down uh with the nhl network and did a uh, a quick two-minute interview talking about a couple of really quick topics topics um, the being voted for the last man in, and one of them, um, finishing with the Islanders game. This was before the Islanders game happened, so you'll get a bit of what they're doing to prepare for the Islanders. Uh, but just take a listen to his reaction to um, being on the ballot of the last man in, um, and if getting into the All Star game is all that important to him. Take a listen. Well, first off, congratulations on uh, being named the last man in uh, on the all-star ballot. Is that something that would mean a lot to you to go to St. Louis and, and participate in, in those activities? Yeah, I mean, I'd be honored and humbled to be a part of that. But uh, for me right now, it's not really something that's in my, on my mind. I mean, um, it, it'll come, and it's something that's completely out of my control. So, no, it'd be fun and be an honor, but yeah, I'm not really worried about it right now. Uh, we're going around the room and having guys sort of vouch for you and say why fans for vo- should vote for you but they say you're pretty humble so we shouldn't expect you to campaign for yourself is that correct yeah I, I'm not, <laughs> not going to campaign for myself or anything like that that's for sure what do you think uh, about this team has been such a good fit for you why do you think it's been such an easy transition honestly we just have a really good group of guys uh, everybody gets along and um, everybody kind of has their own style of play and knows their role in this team and I think that's why everybody's been able to fit in so well coming here and I'm um, being able to adapt to everything uh, on the fly I guess who has become sort of like uh, like your closest friend on this team or somebody that's kind of helped uh, ease you into the league a little bit? Oh, that's a good question, honestly. <laughs> Probably everyone. But. Yeah, there's been so many guys. I mean, um, even from last year in playoffs, Landis Cog, McKinnon, Johnson, Barry. I mean, this year, like, Gerard, Jost, Comfort. Like, everybody's been awesome. And honestly, I couldn't name a specific guy in general. Everybody's been great in terms of my transition here. I know this topic has been, like, beat to a pulp. But to come in during the postseason is a crazy high-pressure situation. Is there anything now after that that would make you nervous going into a game? Um, I don't know so much nervous and stuff. I mean, it was it was an awesome experience just to be able to come in and um, get to know these guys and get to know our systems come, before coming into this year. So, um, no, it was. I don't know if there's something that would 
in specific that I can think of right now. No. Well, uh, big games tonight. Islanders on the other side, a team that's you know got a good defensive structure for the most part. What is the Avs game plan going into this one? I mean, for us, we just want to be good in transition. Um, we, we want to expose them in the offensive zone, and um, at certain times, we know that they have a good defensive structure, like you said, but at, at the end of the day, we, we know that our strengths are offensive ability, and um, we just want to play to our strengths, I guess. Yeah, dude eats humble pie for breakfast. Uh, his response to, you know, how important is it to you to be on the All-Star game, and for someone of his age to say, you know, his reaction was, it'll come. He's so confident in his abilities that he's not worried right now if he doesn't get voted in, quote, unquote. He knows the his game, his style of play, the team he's on. He's so confident in his abilities. He knows all-star games are just going to naturally come to him, and it's not something that he has to force upon his teammates to go promote him or do anything else. He's definitely not promoting himself. I mean, just the just the way he answers those questions. He he doesn't have that canned response that so many athletes do, which drive me crazy. It's why I don't really watch a lot of post game press conferences with players, because it's just you know when when the question is asked, I could recite the answer for you before they even get to it. He's not that type of guy. He flat. I mean, he could have came out with the answer and said, well, it'd be very prestigious and I would very like to go to the All-Star game this early in my career and it would be a great honor. And just, just to be there with those players of, of that caliber, just to be in the same breath as them, uh, would just be an honor early, this early in my career. He said, basically, he cares more about this team and winning games right now than going to an All-Star game that's kind of unheard of from someone of, of uh, his age um, and his ability. It's it's something to see, something to hear. So I still say go out and vote for him because I think he deserves it. Um, yeah, in the end, does it matter? No, but um, I think it's a recognition thing. Um, and, and because of all those reasons I've said, because of his age and what he's accomplishing this early in his career, I think he deserves to be rewarded for it. Um, that's from the fan point of view. From his point of view, clearly it doesn't matter. So uh, it, it's just nice to have a guy like that on this team, probably for the foreseeable future. All right, and finally, one last piece of business to get to, and that is going through some power rankings and seeing where the Avalanche currently sit. Uh, no surprise, they've kind of dipped a little bit on most power rankings. Um, where the last one that we did, they were, I think it was a couple weeks ago, uh, they were like number two, number three. Um, and they're kind of taking a little bit of a dip, and understandably so, having that losing, that minor losing streak. Uh, we'll, we'll drop you in the power rankings. <coughs> so, um, yeah, let's see what they got. So NBC Sports right now has them at number nine. A little blurb they have out is they slumped for a bit, like we said, but then started to break out of it with back-to-back blowout wins against the Blues and the Devils, um, which is kind of, uh, you know, yeah, the blowout winning against the Blues, impressive. Blowout win against the Devils, sure, it's impressive. You blow out any team in the NHL, it's an impressive feat. Um, but that's, you know, upper an upper echelon team and a team that's kind of struggling this year. So still impressive that they were able to uh, put up as many points as they did, many goals as they did against 
St. Louis. Over at Fansided, the they have the Avalanche, and they rank from last week too. So last week they had them at six, and they didn't have them move. Um, I'll read their little blurb and then show you why that annoys me. In, tell you why that annoys me in a second. Uh, they put Nathan McKinnon continues his Hart Trophy caliber season with 64 points in 42 games as the Avalanche sit at second place in the Central Division. A stellar 14-6-2 road record is the second best in the NHL, extending Colorado's dominance away from the Pepsi Center. Yeah, all of that is true. All of that is accurate. Nathan McKinnon will be the Hart Trophy winner. <coughs> um, my issue comes with who they have at number five. They put Vegas in at number five. Not only did they put Vegas in number five, and I'm big on who beat who in terms of where power rankings go. And clearly Colorado uh, has handled Vegas pretty easily in the two games they played them this year. Um, So that's my issue number one. My issue number two is, like I said, fan-sided puts where they had these teams last week. They had Vegas at 21 last week. I don't know why they were that low to begin with. They're not that they shouldn't be that low on the list, but they bumped them up from 21 to 5. And if you're going to bump them up that high to put them above a team that beat them handily twice, doesn't make sense to me. So, uh bad job fansided. Uh over at the score, they had Colorado drop quite a bit. They had them at at the previous rank was 3. This week they have them at nine, and they state that this club needs to make a big splash in 2020. The Avalanche are in a rare situation as a cup-contending team with ample cap space and plenty of trade capital. One more elite player would push them over the top. Completely agree with what they're saying, and as these these days and these weeks go on in January and February, we will definitely be talking about trade, who's trade bait, who should the Avalanche go after, who should they give up. We kind of did it you know, ad nauseum with... Taylor Hall, we're going to be doing it again. Um, the Avs will make moves. They are a team that is is in the perfect situation to make moves. They are uh, up in their division, but they are not, not number one, um, and they want to be. So I think they need to make a couple moves here and there, nothing. Um, th- you know, this, this article says they need to make a big splash in 2020, not necessarily by bringing in a, a big splash player like Taylor Hall. I think it just means they need to to really impose their will uh, now that the calendar's turned. So I agree with what they're saying. Um, over on the <coughs> where are we here? Uh, on the athletic, uh, we don't bring these guys up too much. They don't do a power ranking all the time, um, but they have the Avs at number three. Uh, they seem to have righted the ship after three game after three straight losses. Thursday, seven to three win over the Blues had the feel of a season-turning point. Uh, they get the Blues again in two weeks, and we'll be looking to close the five-point central gap in the meantime. So that's pretty Blues-heavy, which it should be. That's who Colorado is chasing, and will chase right up until the end of uh, the season. So every game that they play against them is going to be monumental. Um, yeah, the more points they get off of them, the better. <coughs> and why not? We'll go to ESPN, even though they don't care about hockey. They do a power ranking. Pretty much whenever they feel like it, um, which is sometimes weeks in between. Uh, they did one, yeah, so January 2nd, so this is a couple days old, but they, they kind of throw in their 
like New Year's resolutions or something, whatever, however they want to do it. If it's something that's catchy, they'll throw out a power ranking for the NHL. So um, they had them last ranking again, which I don't know when that was. They had them at three. Um, this ranking, they have them at six. And their resolution for them is act like you've been there before. Nathan McKinnon said that um, in his seven seasons with the Avs, this is the first time that he thinks his team has a chance at the Cup. The rest of the league views Colorado as a contender too, which means the Avs face some big expectations externally as well. They must continue to play with swagger. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing technically wrong with anything that was said right there either. Especially the part about, yeah, outside forces are now paying attention to the avalanche. And that's something that they're going to have to deal with. I think everybody is, uh, you know, they're going to pay attention to St. Louis, rightfully so. They're the defending champions. So I think Colorado can only go so long being that under-the-radar team. And you're not going to be under the radar when you have kind of like the all-star power that they have with the big three and now including Nathan McKinnon and... um, you know, fans love young, energetic, uh, new, new players, and that's what Kale McCarr is. Um, so they're going to get notoriety just based on him alone. Never mind, you know, the big three front line. For me, um, my ranking would go probably something like this. I would, I would still put Washington at number one. Um, I think they are just far and away uh, the best team in the league. And um, doing so in the Eastern Conference, which has a lot of good teams, being as far up as they as they are, Eastern Conference is still impressive. Uh, I would probably put St. Louis at two. Um, yeah, they're the defending champions. They're playing like it. They're acting like it. They're hitting some bumps in the road right now, but that's the course of a hockey season. Everyone's going to do it. Avalanche did it. Um, and the Blues are going through it. So I think they will easily be able to right the ship. Um, I would put, mm, <coughs> I, I really want to put the Islanders at three and not because they just beat them. Um, they, they just have this style of play that is not very enjoyable to watch. It's kind of very, I don't say it's boring, but it's just, they get the job done. It's a defensive struggle to play them. Um, and I think they're going to be a tough out in, in come playoff time. So I would put them at three. Um... And I'm kind of going back and forth between Pittsburgh and Colorado here, but for the sake of it, we'll put Colorado at number four is where I'd put them, and I'd put uh, Pittsburgh to round out my top five. That's how I would do it. So um, so that really should end all discussion on any power ranking. Avalanche are at number five, and that's going to be it for today, guys. Um, tomorrow we will summarize the uh, Ranger game. Um, and anything new in terms of news that might hit the airwaves, and as well as uh, preview the Avalanche game that they have coming up. Who are they playing? Oh, the Penguins. There you go. There you go. So whoever wins that game gets the bump in the power rankings. So because of that, we'll put the Avalanche above them, which I already did. So uh, that's it for today, guys. So enjoy the day, and here's Joby. Go, Abs, go! Go!